Hey, it's Seth by Video, and we're doing a very, very special, special, special episode uh, at the request of the one and only Albert Pune. Uh, it is currently May 18th, almost uh, 9 p.m. at night. We're going to be watching several of his films this evening, and we're going to try and get this podcast up first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, it's going to be a very, very late night for us, a very late night for me especially, but we'd like to kick it off with a very special song. So, Phil, if you can just hold, hold it, like, between everyone... All right, here we go. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Albert. Happy birthday. That sucks. Stop, stop. I'm just apologizing now for that horrible rendition. Come on, it was beautiful. Yeah, sorry we're not trained singers, Graham. <laughs> I liked it. It had a kind of Western twang. Anyways, cut. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video with Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. No. All right, so that was our horrible, horrible rendition of Happy Birthday to You. Oh, I thought it was I rather nice. That was lovely. So, uh, for Death by Video. I'm Phil. I am Kit. You have to say you're Graham. Oh, yeah, I'm Graham. And I'm Lil. Right, and it's back to Death by Video. And we have with us an audience tonight um, two Yay. very special people to us, and we're glad that they're here tonight. So, we're going to attempt to watch three, count them, three Albert Pune films in one night, maybe four, see how it goes. Not all of us will be here for the entire night because that's crazy. Some of us have jobs that we have to go to. <laughs> what are these jobs you talk of? We are all unemployed. Um, anyways, uh, so we're going to try and keep this quick. We're this is be a, the abandoned a, video store. That's right. Yeah. So this is going to be a much different so different episode. So we're going to start off with a quick, or not quick story of what happened. Uh, our podcast has mir- merged, uh, has merged uh, with Albert Pune and... Uh, Pune's films in a strange way that none it, of us could have predicted. It's now a Pune cast. Yes, what we're calling. <laughs> no, it. we're not calling it a Pune cast. Um, but we're yeah. I got Pune it's cast. Def- it's definitely Pune Fest tonight. No. Yeah, we're calling this Pune Fest 2018 in honor of Albert Pune's birthday. Um, but uh, sister of the podcast and friend to all, Ermina Perez is. Uh, now cast in Albert Pune's upcoming feature film, Badass Angels and Demons. How did this happen? Yes, how did it happen? Take it away, Lil. Well, um, thanks to your tweet action, Kit, um, Albert got see, wind. Graham, you were, you were against that Twitter account from the get-go. and You see, you see how, how beautifully and unexpectedly things work out. Um, so, yeah, basically, long story short, Albert listened to our Cyborg episode, and he reached out to us, and we were blown away. And 
We became friends on Facebook, didn't we? Yes, but you have to talk into the microphone. I mean, I am, aren't I? No, but when you turn like this and you hold the microphone here, it's like... You're wow. not talking to the microphone either. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, um, so we became friends on Facebook, and around this time, he is uh, he's working on a new film, Badass Angels and Demons, and uh, he's uh, reaching out and, uh, you know, trying to make it possible, and... Uh, I reached out to him to see if uh, he would be interested in casting the great Ermina Perez. And lo and behold, uh, he liked her stuff. And what do we do, Ames? We, we flew over to Vegas for the promo shoot. And that was a great two days. By the way, we have the one and only Ermina Perez in the studio with us tonight. Um, Say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. So honored to be here. And she is, in the upcoming film, Badass Angels and Demons, one of the badass demons. Is that yes, correct? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a badass demon. So this week, you actually traveled to Las Vegas, Nevada. That's right. America, a different country, to, to do a little promo shoot, correct? So how was that? Take us through that that whole excursion. You took a flight down from uh, from our lovely city of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, down to Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. It was surreal. I opened the door to the studio and there's Albert Pune directing Aww. someone in a shoot and an angel actually a badass angel i just froze right there it was surreal to see the great albert pune mm-hmm. and he's so hands on oh that's great and um he's so descriptive with his characters they just jump off the page and they start pulsing inside of you you know when you're reading it um mm-hmm. it was it was lovely. It was like acquiring a new family with Cynthia and and the and the whole cast. Everybody's ripped. Everybody Everybody's was so nice and beautiful. kind and there was just so much love in the room yeah, and fearless like, appreciation. Everybody. And uh a, a, apparently he's been working on the characters for about a year now because like there's so many and yeah, he really wants cast. to 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 for them to really come out right it's gonna each be character epic. it's gonna be epic. each character has a story and uh we've read there's three acts so three we acts. read the first act and we got a little peek into a sneak peek into the second act and it's just gonna be amazing i could tell you guys right now it's really exciting absolutely biblical mythological nice. in every way that's excellent. I'm so yeah. looking forward to seeing it. I'm so looking forward to, to just hearing more of your process. And uh, I actually messaged Albert myself individually to say how much of a joy it is to work with Ermina Perez. I've directed her in several short films, which That's he right. apparently watched and said that he liked. So thank you very much for that. That was a thrill to hear that. Um, and I just want to say personally from the bottom of my heart, congratulations, Ermina. You are a shining star thank in you, the Graham. night sky that is Toronto's acting community. Thank you. I'd just like to say that I'm, I am nothing. I am nothing without you. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Thank no. You. And we might be... Might... We couldn't shut up about you, oh, Graham. Stop like, it. everyone we talk to, you know, you know so much about um, B-movies. Like, you, you <laughs> are... You could have a PhD in B-movies B- alone mm-hmm. in that genre. And it's a genre on its own, in itself. It's punk rock like yes. you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we love you, Graham. We love you. You're amazing. No, no, no. This isn't a, this isn't Shepherd Fest yet. Um, it's <laughs> Shepherd Fest. Fest is yet Maybe to come. Maybe 2020. We'll see what happens. Anyways, so that being said, with that being said, we're launching into our very, very first uh, Pune film of the night. Yeah. We're going to be watching the director's cut of Captain America. Oh, my God. I'm super stoked because no one else in this room other than me has seen the original Captain America. I grew up watching uh, the 1990 Captain America, like, 
over and over because I love comic books, but there were there was a dearth of comic book movies in the 90s unless you were Superman or Batman, and half of those films were bad. Um, and luckily, like one of my favorite characters, even though I'm Canadian, was Captain America. I liked his power set. I liked that they threw the shield. I liked the story. He was a man out of time from a different place. And uh, Albert Pune's film is very much about that. Unlike the current Marvel films where there's like bigger overarching things, it's a bit more character-based. It's not as action-heavy as as the current films, but it's a lot more about like the, the man realizing that his entire life is gone and now he's a man out of time in the future of 1990. Um, so we're going to get right into that. Then we'll be back with a quick wrap-up and then we're going on to our next film after that. Um, so we'll be right back in a moment after Captain America 1990. Pune. Best. <laughs> Get your guinea pig. Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. A secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred. For the rest of the world, he's just codenamed Captain America. And the power to save millions. The Jerry's have an experimental rocket ready to fire at a target somewhere in the United States. Only he could defeat a superhuman madman. They got a fellow called the Red Skull heading up their outfit. Saving the world left him trapped in an icy grave until fate released him to finish a battle started decades ago. Yeah, he's still alive. We don't know where he is or who he is. Now, this evil genius is on the verge of global domination. And only Captain America can stop him. Ned Beatty, Darren McGavin, Michael Nury, Melinda Dillon, Kim Gillingham, Scott Pollan as the Red Skull, and Matt Salinger as the Marvel Comics hero, Captain America. All right, and that was Captain America 1990, the director's cut by Albert Pune. That was our first in our series for tonight. We're going to keep this as brief as we possibly can. We want to have a, a good run through. So, guys, who? what did everyone think of this movie? Phil? Good times. Good times? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was a fun movie, right? Yeah. Like, we, we, like, we kind of talked a little bit about the the era because it's like the guy's being wowed by all this future stuff, which is now 28 years old. Um but we we love the running gag where he continually faked being sick, got out of the car, Car-sick. bent over, like yeah he was like driving with someone that he either didn't trust or didn't want to continue Ned traveling Beattie with the, Ned, ba- Ned Beatty and then um, Beatty or Beatty Beatty I'm not sure playing the character of Sam the the double Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who as a young boy looks like Ralphie from A Christmas Story yes uh, and the movie features the father from A Christmas Story and the mother. And the mother. And the father was also Kolchak the Night Stalker back in the 70s. Ha. Yeah. And a young Bill Mooney from um, Lost in Space plays the younger version of, that's, uh, what's his name again? It's uh, Colonel something. Colonel something, Oh, Colonel Colonel Fleming. Sorry. Or General Fleming or something. Yeah, General Fleming. Captain Lewis was the, or uh, Colonel Lewis was the guy uh, with the mustache, which was featured in the most... um, uh, the longest deleted sequence of the film, which actually like added another depth to it, where they talk about Vietnam and how, while well, Captain America was frozen and asleep, 
um, all this tragedy happened around him, and he's like, oh, I'm the guy that sat out the war and society. So, um, Kit, what did you think of this film? Well, I liked it, as I said. I mean, it's a bit um, campy at times. In times, yeah. And here's the thing, because um, yeah. what I understand from the production, just mm-hmm. reading up about a bit the film, they they didn't finance it well enough. They no, didn't it was severely underfinanced, yeah. So, I mean, I think it that was, explains it was, a lot of the... Yeah. I think what I what I'd call the like the campiness of the it. campiness and the fact that everything kind of took place in a, in empty streets and empty castles. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Los Angeles and Northern Canada. That castle was really cool. That, that was, was a, a very cool castle. Cool castle yeah, castle, we yeah. all liked it. Um, I do think also the other thing too is that this was a typical uh, Golan. So the, it was produced by Menachem Golan from Golan and Globus Productions, aka Canon Films. And they actually um, were f- notorious for being like, oh, we're going to do a big production and then we're going to spend millions of dollars and then shortchanging the filmmakers when it came time to actual production. And I think this fell into it. This was like very much towards the end. Like this is around the time that uh, they were producing the Lombada movies. Yeah, like they were they were pretty much on the verge of bankruptcy at this point. Mm-hmm. I think this might have been the last Canon production. I'm not entirely sure. It might have even got like switched because mm-hmm. uh, the trivia that I'm reading is Michael Winner was slated to direct when the film was in production at Director Canon. Death Wish 1, 2, 3, 4. Okay, there you go. Oh, I see another interesting detail that uh, Albert uh, replaced John Stockwell as director. Oh, so, oh wow. John Stockwell. So John director Stockwell of from, Die Hard, yeah. No, that's John McTiernan. John oh, Stock- son of a bitch. John, dangerously, dangerously edit, close. Edit. Yes. John Stockwell was the one of the lead actors. He was the villain in Dangerously Close. He was that's also right, in John Carpenter's Christine. He was also in My Science Project. Just edit out my stupid wow, gaff there. Wow, Just. Wow. And didn't Albert encourage him to direct? Uh, you mentioned what what movie was it that he directed finally, or was it a few? He's directed many. He's directed like some of the newer Kickboxer sequels featuring Jean-Claude Van Damme. He directed uh, a couple, I think, Hawaiian set features like Into the Blue and um, Turistas as well. Um, yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So lots of stuff. Lillian, what did you think of Captain America, the director's cut? Oh, uh, well, this is the only version that I've mm-hmm. seen. It's my first time. And yeah, yeah, it was really great. I loved, uh, I loved Red Skull mm-hmm. a lot. And... Uh, Really felt for Captain America. Yeah, yeah, the Red Skull was played by um, Scott Pollan. Scott Pollan, and he had a strong. You guys are saying Berlusconi, the corrupt uh, Silvio Italian. Berlusconi. He looks like a better looking Silvio Berlusconi. Ooh, that's saying something. <laughs> He's got better skin than the yeah. real Berlusconi does. Yep. Yeah, um, and do you want to bring up the ears? You can bring it up. Well, okay, so it's a it's a trivia note. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's actually probably the best solution to that situation. So uh, originally, the uh, the mask that he wears, like the I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of like there was always an odd thing in the comics. Captain America's ears were poking out of his mask. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so they did that. So they they cut ear holes for his ears. The uh, the actor, uh, what, sorry, what was Matt Salinger, Matt Salinger, the son of J D. Salinger. Uh, but it chafed his ears, and they were like um, hurting him. So they just they uh, replaced that with a mask that covered his ears and then they put prosthetic ears on the outside so it would still look mm-hmm. like his ears were poking out. But when he did pull his mask down, we saw him infamously, like in the comics where he just kind of like pulls his cowl back, there were no plastic ears attached to the mask. So no, they, they, covered, they covered their chest pretty well. Cleverly took that out. That was, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, um, what did you think of the director's cut, Graham? Because I saw, I, yeah. I saw like childhood Graham was having a few moments during this film yeah, where he was like shushing away. everybody like this is a new scene I haven't seen this before this is so good it really brings <laughs> it all together gives it more depth and everything 
So first of all, the um, they did some sound remixing in this. Uh, we noticed that, like, I think the original audio from it from the from the film was in a two point mix, and the mix for the director's cut was five point one, which was quite nice. The film added a lot more eeriness to it with the new sound mix, and also it starts off with Captain America confronting the Red Skull in present day, whereas in the original one it starts linearly linearly in 1936 in Italy uh, with the Red Skull being kidnapped from his family um, yeah I liked it I liked it a lot like it it, it like I also am just like amazed like I rented this movie so many times it's so burned into my skull like when she says he's a very famous reporter Pulitzer Prize twice I'm like I knew that was coming um, it also was interesting to see how fashionable the neo-Nazis were that uh, worked for the Red Skull I think oh yeah um, there was the um the Armani well, brigade there. The, the the actual term by Max, uh, our silent uh, viewer here tonight, was that these assassins are sponsored by Armani. Yeah. <laughs> I was really or hoping Versace or yeah, Versace. Um, I really really wanted to have Captain America call them Euro trash at one point because they were <laughs> they were super Euro trash. Um, oh, I really liked the 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 newspaper scene, the music, and it was going through the years like. 30s, 40s. No, yeah. it started with the 50s. Should, 60s, yeah, started with the 40s, it was all War like One. 80s music. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah awesome. we're just waiting to the 80s music. I was kind of like back to the I future like party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Or it could be seen as an influence upon David Fincher's Zodiac, the director's oh, code yeah. of that, which features that. That, that uh, blackout. Yeah, where they uh, used music in, to, to transition uh, from, a, I think it's like a 12 year period or 13 year yeah, period. Yeah, and then in the director's cut, that, that scene is just longer. Yeah. That's, oh, that the, scene, o- yeah. that's the only difference. Mm-hmm. From the theatrical well, release, that's a to good call. Cut. That was a great. That, that I like that a lot. David Fincher yeah. was definitely watching Captain America. I think yes, so. He was definitely. he was watching this to drown out the sores of having to make Alien Three. I think at the time he's oh, like, yeah. I could have done that. That was fun. <laughs> Alien Three was just a slog, but I could have made Captain America. But Albert Pune thankfully did. Um, so Ermina, uh, can we hand the mic over to Ermina? What are your thoughts on this? I know you didn't really want to talk much and you want to just poke in, but I want to get your opinion on the movie. Because you were really moved by certain scenes. You pointed out that the Red Skull is su- is a super charming actor. Yeah, I was blown mm-hmm. away by him. He was charming. He was yeah. handsome, if My I can American say that. My American brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am going to become the president of the United States. I wonder if he's a, a Spanish actor, a Spanish-speaking. How do you he say sounded... Casabianca? Casabianca, No, yes. don't tell me. White what? House. <laughs> so good. Captain America. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I was really captivated by him. I thought mm-hmm. his performance was really great. Yeah. Really, um, I don't know. He was charismatic. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it was it was uh, as Lillian predicted. It was going to be uh, heart heart wrenching. The story. It and was like when he reunites the, with his lost love, like when he goes when he meets Bernie after like. 50 years yeah yeah and the flashbacks and that last attempt the Captain America's being a gentleman when mm-hmm. he gets out of the car make sure they're okay he could have he could have punched out that journalist you know oh yeah instead you know he, he, he went he took the he did the running gag of like yes. I'm gonna be carsick pull yeah. over get out lean over wait until the guy comes to check exactly. on him exactly and run around behind him and I totally fell for it I'm like Captain America being carsick come on I know go fish it was great yeah. It uh, so yeah, and the added scene with the Colonel Lewis is amazing. And the um, flashbacks and the last uh, the last chance he gave the the villain to you know to find his humanity to find mm-hmm. to reminding him of of how it all happened his origin of him becoming this you know this master evil 
guy you know i know well the the thing is there's certain things that i missed when i watched this when i was a child which is he says like it took us two years to find sirhan sirhan and i realized oh my god that's the guy that assassinated rfk and he's like he's like forever to find oswald i'm like that's jfk and the uh the martin luther king assassination cost 22 million dollars and i was like oh my god i know all that stuff now i'm an adult um i know world history um so yeah there was it was interesting how they like looped all that in um I think that the director's cut does a better job of showing the man like it added much more depth to the movie and I really like how they like use new sound design to kind of like make certain scenes a bit more creepier we all kind of realized hey is that the peach pit from Beverly Hills 90210 that they that they did the super soldier serum experiments under we we like to think that uh, this is a shared universe with Beverly Hills 90210 mm-hmm. and of course the beautiful Kim Gillingham I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's, uh, uh she played Sharon? Uh, she played Bernice. She played, like, the, the, the... Yeah, she played Sharon, yeah. She played, she played the mother that, uh, Captain America was in love with in the 40s, and she played the daughter who The he, daughter, yeah. Not his daughter, her daughter. Her daughter. Bernice, yeah, she played, it was a double role. And, she of was course, she was in Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> yes. Um, I do want a special shout-out to the Red Skull's daughter, uh, Frances- Francesca... Neri, who plays Valentina DeSantis. Um, she didn't have much to do, but she was really good. Like, she really just played off, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, fash- like Italian fashionista, but assassin. Yeah. Like, even, so beautiful. Remember when she's, like, they go down the on the dirt bikes through northern Canada to chase Captain America, and, like, she tries to shoot at him, but then she, she misses, and then she just poses with the I gun. I love that pose. <laughs> that pose was amazing. No, that wasn't she her. She leans back against the that was, oh, that was her. That was her. Yeah, that was a cool scene. But you could totally see her doing that, though. That's the thing. Like, these, you know, these were the suavest neo-Nazis in all of Europe. Yeah, and just to go back to that sound mix mm-hmm. you were talking yeah. about, that was really good for the shield that he oh, threw. Oh, the shield the through, shield, yeah. We heard just... it travel through all of the speakers in my house. <laughs> it was just like, ah! Like, it, kid it actually jumped away from the speaker. It reverberated in the room. Every time he threw that shield, yeah, it was they great. Did some, was like... some, yeah, the rear speakers, they, they did some good mixing. There's not much... Normally, it's not that loud in my it's rear like speakers. It's like the Z of Zorro. It's the power of the shield. Mm-hmm. And also that cut scene you mentioned that was a beautiful yeah. scene. That was a long one, too, Between, where he goes to visit him at the veterans' yeah. Uh, home. Yeah, And that was a beautiful scene, the conversation the they had about all home, the war- right? wars that he sat out. Mm-hmm. Korea. Well, he even said, like, war now is is kind of like, he's like, war, you used to know who you were fighting. Now war is just dirty. You go to some hellhole and you kill each other until one person gives up. You don't so even sad. know why you're fighting. You don't even know why you're fighting. And he even, like, I also realize now in this film, there's a lot of there's an environmental message because I was reading this list of like things that are different in the 90s versus now and they point out that George Bush senior was actually the first politician to really pursue environmental studies to actually find out like how can we prevent uh, environmental or environmental ecological disaster and mm-hmm. he actually like financed it and like it was a nonpartisan issue and we're also never told uh, if the president in this film played by the fantastic Ronnie Cox from Robocop and Total Recall and Beverly Hills cop if and deliverance if he is a democrat or a republican and i like that where it was like kind of didn't matter um so before we go kit did you have any more trivia you wanted to like dig into oh just interesting uh who they were going to pick before uh, matt salinger 
Yeah, there was like a lot of people like involved in in the production of this. Like they, this was a film that they've been trying to get off the ground for a while, and you know, it when they got stuck with that super low budget, like they knew that Albert Pune was the man they could turn to to actually execute it and make it entertaining. Yeah, actually, there's a gr- there's a great quote from Stan Lee here. I'm looking through the trivia before mm-hmm. it was introduced. Uh, Marvel Comics head honcho Stan Lee insisted that it was good. Uh, he he wrote director Albert Pune did it so well and so excitingly that everyone mm-hmm. in the audience kept clamoring for more. Uh, so that's a nice quote from him. I wouldn't have minded seeing a sequel to this, to be honest. Like, where would it go from here? Because like it's it's a very much more it's very much more in the action films of the day. Like they're running through the streets, they're in car chases. It's not so much grand superheroics. For a good portion of the movie, Captain America is just a man out of time. It, well, it didn't get a U.S. theatrical release when it when it uh, was. It no, it went straight to all. video in, U- in the uh, U.S. It was yeah. released internationally. Uh, when it finally did get a limited theatrical release, it wasn't until 2011 to promote the Captain America. Uh, first Avenger, yeah, uh, and which is uh, I think around the time when they did the our, our the, boy our boy Albert Pune toured the country with his mm-hmm. director's cut, that's showing great. off his film, which is which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, some of the guys who were considered for uh, Captain America, Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. uh, but he declined in favor of the Doors. That's sure. I'd say that's a, a good good trade. Yeah, <laughs> good choice for uh, for old Val. Yeah. Um, and also, you mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I am typical um, American boy. And, and here's the thing: it says, okay, so uh, both Dolph Lundgren and Arnold Schwarzenegger were up for the role. However, Arnold's accent lost him the part, and Lundgren been... was busy filming The Punisher. But I would think that Lundgren's accent would also no. Lundgren, Lundgren can actually like mute his accent pretty well. Can he? Because everyone hears him with that Russian accent. He's not Russian. He's Swiss. I know. I know. I got that. When you but... hear him, when you hear him now, when he's like talking, like his, he can mute it pretty well. Oh, okay. All right. And The Fair Punisher, he did, he did a good job of muting it, which was another Marvel character. Um, but he was busy doing that, and yep. uh, Arnold was just too, his accent's too thick. And that uh, would have been hilarious. Yeah. I am Punisher Steve Rogers. That, uh, Tom, um, Thomas Jane is the new Punisher, right? Mm, no, he's the old yeah. Punisher. He's the old, old Punisher. Um, the new oh. Punisher on the, the TV show yeah. is uh, the guy Which from Walking Dead. Uh, oh, God, well, I'm drawing a blank. What's his name? I know. The long blue-eyed guy? No. The guy who plays Shane in the first season of Walking Dead. Oh, I'm drawing I can't a blank on his name because he's also in Baby Driver. He was really good in that. Shane, some. No, 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 that's the character name. Shane. No, that's the character's name. Uh, anyways, I'm drawing a blank. It's it's his portrayal is pretty good. Because um, yeah, there was there was there was let's see, the Punishers were uh, Dolph Lundgren, Thomas Jane. That's the one with John Travolta. Ray Winstone. No, Ray not, Winstone. No, 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 no. Someone else. That rhyme. Some British actor. I wouldn't think Ray Winstone. <laughs> Um, portly, portly British actor Ray Winstone. No, I would love that movie though. Brendan Gleeson stars as the Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher. Um, That'd be great. You should do that. But Thomas Jane actually came back for a short film that he um, Ray Stevenson. Sorry, no. Oh, okay, Ray Stevenson yeah, makes a lot of that sense. That makes sense. He was um, in Rome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Um, but uh, Thomas Jane actually felt so bad about his portrayal in the movie that he actually financed a short film called Dirty Laundry where he get, could get one more chance to play the Punisher and yeah it actually turned out really good it's just a short of him doing laundry while something's happening in the street and then he goes up in the street and puts a stop to some stuff Thomas Jane of Nemesis fame yes Nemesis fame which, right. I, th- which I heard a rumbling might be getting an official Blu-ray le- release in North America which I would love love that so much because that movie's great um, so with that being said I think it's time to move on to our next feature of our Pune Fest um, Anybody seen Mean Guns here? No. I want to see it! Mean Guns all the way! Yes. This stars Christoph Lambert, right? Yes, and it's a nice tea. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And is Jerry in this? Jerry Rector? 
and a bunch of other people. Those are just the two off the top of my Lil, head. Lil, is Jerry Rector in this? I believe so. I really want to see this. Badass to this the is bone. Our, this is our first Christophe Lambert movie. I thought it for sure it would be Fortress or maybe Subway. Or Highlander 2, which I've been gunning for for a while. <laughs> the Renegade version or The Quickening? <laughs> the Quickening, obviously. No, we're not going to watch that here. All right, so Why that being said... We might watch it here. Jeez, <laughs> shut up. So with that being said, we'll be right back. We're going to watch Mean Guns and then chat a bit, and then we're going to watch our final feature of the evening, or at that point, morning. All right. Yeah. Good night. Or goodbye. We'll be back. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> City's most dangerous criminals. You think you scare me? Have been invited to play the world's most dangerous game. To win, you eliminate the competition. Prize is ten million dollars. Now everyone is a moving target. Get down, Lucy. And the only way to survive, having a good time, little girl, is to play the game. Okay, I got one. Play the game and finish it. We have to kill them all. Christopher Lambert, Ice-T. Are there any other questions? What if we don't want to play? Meat Guns. Any other questions? All right, well, that was Mean Guns. And hey. unfortunately, it's gotten quite late here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's well past 1 a.m., and we are all feeling the drag, so we will not be able to complete uh, PuneFest 2018 yet. Um, so we are going to call it a two movies uh i'm gonna wake up in a couple hours and edit it together and hopefully get it up online soon um so guys thoughts on mean guns we had ambitions to do four movies that was noble of us i think yeah i think well we started late though too like we didn't start the first movie until almost nine o'clock reality hit us about 1 a.m yeah i think it's not happening we can have a part two two to be continued session yeah we could albert yes we will do some more movies yeah we will for sure be more albert p movies it might be a monthly spotlight. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so final thoughts. We're uh, going straight to final thoughts. Okay. Not final thoughts. Let's let's, let's get impressions. Phil, what do you think? It's, for what the parts you were awake for. It was fun. It was unpredictable. Yeah. It was lively. I mean, Kit, you were you were playing to leave, but then this film grabbed you. I'm down with it. It was uh, a little longer than we were expecting. Yeah, we were hoping for like an 80, 90 minute movie. It wanted to be. That's okay. Uh, uh, it's pretty much nonstop action. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What else can you say? It was fun. Yeah, it was a super fun movie. Uh, you said that you felt that it was the most accomplished visually of his work. I don't know if that I want to say that. Just uh, of the few movies that I've seen, I've only yeah. seen a handful. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I, th- I feel like there's been a progression. I think this film yeah. is the latest of his mm. oeuvre. It is that we've seen, yeah, 97. Uh, of his oeuvre that we've seen. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, yeah, I, I feel like um, it's just it looks a little bit slicker. Um, yeah. it, it, it feels a little bit more confident. I'm not trying to say that he, uh, that he wasn't confident in his earlier films. I'm just like, it seems like he knows what he's doing. It's, it's more like... Yeah. 
business-like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a well-done film. Okay. Uh, Lillian, what did you think? Yeah, that was uh, that was fun, and I I really liked the the chess element of it in the beginning. I thought, and I mean, because Ice T had that in front of him, and that was kind of like the foreground. And um, yeah, I really love chess. I'm not very good at it, but I appreciate the game, and I like that that was that was in here, and you could see it play out throughout the movie uh, when they're knocking each other off and. You know, when it gets really down to the nitty gritty, who do you knock off? Who do you keep on your side? It was good. It was intriguing. It would have been fun to like take bets on who we think was going to last. Who was going to last? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd you'd, you'd assume Christophe Lambert. Like in our heads, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. but I did not. We should just uh, just to quickly go through the the setup for this film. So we are introduced to a bunch of random characters who are all brought into this penitentiary, which is actually a real penitentiary. They call it purgatory in the movie. But in reality, it is the Los Angeles County Twin Towers Correctional Facility, which I don't believe was called Twin Tower. I don't believe it was called Twin Towers because of the 9-11 situation. I think no, that, this was prior to that. Yeah, I think so it was two towers within a, one facilities. Um, but uh, and it could have been a Lord of the Rings reference. Exactly. Ooh. Could have been token heads there designing this prison. Um, yeah, so we see we basically like are introduced to like uh, what they say is a hundred members of this uh, criminal empire that are brought in, and they've they're all people who have in some way screwed up, messed up, or let down their boss. So Ice T has divided this ingenious plan of like, why should we just punish people? Like, let's actually like make them fight to survive. So out of this, uh, they say like the top three people will not only survive this battle royale inside of a uh, inside of a prison but they will receive 10 million dollars to split between them now f- ice t's character name by the way is vincent moon is vincent moon yes um and we should also point out that as they're entering they all of their uh, guns and weapons are removed from their their persons and then once they're inside uh tubs of baseball bats empty guns and ammunition are just dumped over a stairwell down onto them and they have to like quickly grab their weapon and fight to survive it's very much like the video game fortnite uh which uh, we talked about on our violent years episode you you love fortnite none of us have played yep. it so it's a great game um the drake approved fortnite yep. drake and drake little, plays little yachty so um tom matthews is in this like uh tommy jarvis from friday the 13th part six and he was also in dangerously close and uh radioactive dreams um no wait that's michael dudikoff uh, sorry I got that wrong. I got that confused. But yeah, no, he was in uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, uh, Return of the Living Dead, and Return of the Living Dead 2, and uh, Dangerous and Close, and a bunch, Nemesis as well. Yeah. You've got when uh, Ice-T mm-hmm. is explaining the game, there's that fun little bit where uh, a few of the prisoners are like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And he just shoots them in the head. Good for asking questions, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyone else got a question? And then Christophe Lambert from the back of the room pipes up, yeah, where can I get... I can't do a Christophe Lambert uh, impersonation. Yes, Ramina? Go ahead with that. Follow yeah. through. Where can I get the CD? Exactly. My thoughts on this movie is mm-hmm. I danced my yeah, little hiney off. You did. You I danced, danced with it. them. I the soundtrack is killer. It was so good. Like you, you can't sit still. 
Yeah, I loved it when the, uh, a few of them are going up in the elevator and there's elevator music and you get up and start dancing to it and then the two guys in the elevator are dancing the same way. It it's kind of like watching a match, like a like a boxing match yeah. or anything. Like you're getting up with your fists and you're like, you know, come on, come on. And you're mm-hmm. kicking in the air. And that Barbie girl? Yes. We all agreed she should have won that. She should have won. I felt she that she earned it. She fought for her life. Yeah. She used her feminine wiles. She, she did everything. She, she didn't even know what she was walking into. That's the other thing, too. She was a tag-along with uh, with uh, Rob, played by by uh, Jerry Rector. Yeah, Jerry Rector played Bob, and she was like a little tag like a tag along. boyfriend. Yeah. She kept struggling to get back to, but then it didn't work out. Um, we should also point out that Deborah Van uh, Valkenberg from Streets of Fire and The Warriors is in this. She kind of shows up in a bunch of Albert Pune films, including his personal sequel to Streets of Fire, Road to Hell. Um, Was she ever reunited with Michael Perret? Yeah, Michael Perret's in the movie, too. He's the lead. Again, as Tom Cody. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, nice. they brought back those characters playing themselves in Road to Hell. That's wicked. And then finished it off with um, uh, Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. Which is, uh, takes on a much more morose, tor- uh, like mournful turn, ter- mournful tone in uh, Road to Hell, or at least I thought so. Um, Lambert has a Christoph Lambert has a great bat fight, which clearly was inspired by his uh, Highlander sword fighting. Um, I do have to point out, Ice T says something that I it took me a while to figure out what unpack what he was saying. <clears throat> he said. We're gonna bury your asses in a big asshole, and I couldn't understand if he was saying a big asshole, as in a as a, a butthole, like a giant jerk, like a giant butthole, or was he saying big ass space gigantic. hole? Like, yeah, gigantic. Big asshole, like bad asshole, or big ass as in just large. So it's I'm creative still, word, but play. you know what? It works both ways. So I'm gonna give that uh, a double thumbs up. That quote. Yeah. Um. Uh, what was that thing? Oh, early on, so Barbie and Dee were in the back seat of uh, a car with um, with Jerry or with Bob, and uh, Dee does this awesome thing where um, Barbie kind of like leans into her closely, and she goes, "Hey, MySpace," and she points to herself, and then she shoves her back across the car and points your space. She shoves her in the face. Yes, right? like it was it like... was almost a slap punch. Um, <laughs> and Ermina actually pointed out like, "Oh, she invented MySpace." <laughs> We all laughed. Slash Facebook by slapping her in the face, right? Babunksh. Oh, yeah. Um, what other else do I have in my notes? Um, this film kind of seems like it was a big influence on Guy Ritchie. We know that everyone kind of points to like Guy Ritchie being influenced by Tarantino, but this film seemed to be a bit more Ritchie-esque. Like, Tarantino's characters don't really tend to wear long trench coats in public. Um, oh, what's that other thing? Okay, so at a certain point... D said, like, uh, Christoph Lambert is trying to explain his plan, and Dee's just like, I'm lost. And he said, of course you are lost. You're stupid. And he <laughs> constantly refers to people as being stupid. Yeah, he's, he's not a nice guy. No, he's kind of silly, but I like him. Oddly enough, he uh, he brought his daughter to the match. Who was not actually his daughter, though, because his daughter was, was murdered. Well, he says he says it's his real daughter at the end of the movie. I don't know. He, tell, I guess he tells we, that to people. If we take him at his word. Anyway, it's his adopted daughter. Or yeah. his, but you ought to take the girl for her word because she wanted him dead. So she knows who her real father is. Well, didn't uh, well didn't Moon, Ice-T, didn't he say, um, just because you killed the man who raped your daughter... 
doesn't make you a good guy or something yeah, that, like that. Yeah, that gets revealed right at the end of the movie, yeah. and it's like, whoa, shit. That's that's some deep uh, character well, development I kind there of, right, when, when right they there did the, the When they did a little flashback to this, um, Christoph was about to beat up this like nasty sweaty guy and his there was a little kid there i kind of figured something nasty like that just went down and it was an embruge thing but yeah mm-hmm. yeah we, th- we thought it was an homage to uh the uh, malcolm martin well, mcdonough film embruge or like or a premage i guess i got the impression that that man did something to the little girl and he just took him out uh, yeah so i don't know what you guys think that that's not his daughter Maybe he was reliving yeah. what happened and just... It seemed like he was reliving it constantly, Projecting yeah. it on this girl or... Mm-hmm. But she did have this kind of otherworldly quality, mm-hmm. like this kind of all-seeing. Yep. Uh, and so she not, saves she saves that woman's life, you know, at the does, end. She does, yeah. She's I don't like know if she saves a woman's life because that's what the... the, the um, well, she came and got her and... Yeah, and she gave her the money. She's like the messenger. No. Oh yeah, the Ian Cumberbatch. Uh, so we point out there's a character. Well, Phil, who, this was Phil's idea. Who looks kind of like a cross between Ian McKellen. You were saying. Yep, Ian McKellen and, and Benedict Cumberbatch. And that character's name. That character is Malcolm. Um, I think it? his name is Malcolm or Marcus. 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 Um, it is. Yeah, it's Marcus, played by Michael Housley. Um, Boring name. Get yeah, a new we, name. We should have pointed out. Okay, yeah, Tina Cote plays Barbie. Deborah Van uh, Valkenberg plays um, Cam, who's a, the actual winner of the tournament. Uh, Yuji. She wins by default, though. She's Oku- useless throughout the movie. She can't even fire a gun. Yep. Yuji Okamoto plays Haas, and Tom Matthews plays Crow. So uh, Yuji uh, Okamoto and Tom Matthews, we assumed, are a gay couple in the movie because they dance and. Kind of don't have really have any interest in women. I think they mentioned at one point too, right? No, I think um, no. Yuji falls for Barbie a little oh, bit, and that's right, that she comes right. between them a bit because he's like, right. "I can't kill her, you kill her." Yeah, and then she uh, she pulls a move where she actually uses mm. one as a shield and, and shoots, shoots the, the other, other yeah. and then he shoots him, so she survives, and then she immediately dies, gets her head blown off. Well, her head lit on fire. Yeah. And that was like a real chess moment there, that scene. Because they're like, okay, if I take you out, take me out. They're deciding if I take you out, then it'll take me out. Um, I didn't get the impression that they were a couple or anything like that. Well, no, and I think we were just having a bit of fun with it. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the rules of the were, game, I don't know if Graham They were unkillable. This, Holy cow. Is that uh, <laughs> it's it's three people. If the, the three survivors... Yeah. Get to walk away with ten million dollars ostensibly, although it's kind of a rigged game and it doesn't end up being that way at the end of the game. Yeah, it definitely uh, turns out that Ice T is playing for keeps. Yeah. So, um, with all that being said, and as we draw to a close on Pune Fest twenty, the part one of Pune Fest twenty eighteen, um, do we have final thoughts on our tonight's movies? Phil, go first. Oh, there's some trivia for this. Rock uh, on, kid. Um, just a little bit. I don't know. Go there for were... it. Go for it. Uh, oh, but the thing that I think we found interesting, and that this is a cool uh, filming technique, is that Christopher Lambert only worked on the film for two days. Oh, yeah. That's totally true. I forgot about that. And, uh, man, he gets a lot of uh, content out of Christophe Lambert mm-hmm. uh, for those two days. 
Um, in fact, in the final standoff scene, both Ice-T and Christopher Lambert are doubled because it was shot after they had finished their scheduled scenes. Oh, really? That's crazy. So just the close-ups are them? Yeah, just the close-ups, oh and then God. everything else is not them at all. Mm. Nuts. Um, and that's that's about it. Just uh, It was shot at the Los Angeles County Twin Towers Correctional fac- Facility, mm-hmm. which looks rather cozy. Yeah. Oh, and then the the spoiler is in the last scene of the movie during the mm-hmm. final showdown, Christopher Lambert's character would be able to tell the gun he was tossed wasn't loaded by the weight. All that right, is true. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we should explain at the end. Um, the, we think that oh, everyone's they reached the end. It was Christophe Lambert. It was Cam, and it was Marcus. And then Ice T shows up. And he's like, "Well, you did it." And then like he's carrying a briefcase, and you assume, "Oh, this is gonna be the briefcase with the money." He lays it down and then takes out some very very large handguns. Um, and he proceeds to hand them out, and instantly Marcus shoots Cam, or so we thought, and, oh no, he shoots her, just wings her in the elbow, and causes her to fall unconscious, and then uh, it comes down to Lambert, Ice-T, and Marcus, and uh, Lambert tries to shoot them, but realizes, oh no, the gun is empty, and Ice-T said, you think I would really give you a loaded gun? Because as it's improving throughout the movie, Christophe Lambert is, in- is incredibly good at committing acts of violence, and he's crazy. So then Marcus uh, and Ice T shoot. Or no, Marcus shoots Christophe, and, and then and Ice T, and then I didn't really get him shooting. Like it was kind of it was so quick because mm-hmm. Ice T was like, "All right, we're gonna do it right now. We're gonna have yep. the standoff." And then Marcus just like I guess raises his gun and shoots him real quick, and then that's yeah, it. that's it. Um, and then Marcus goes down close because uh, uh, Christoph Lambert with his dying breath is like, "Come close, come close." And so he gets close and he jams another gun that he had hidden into Marcus's gut. Marcus puts his gun underneath uh, Christoph Lambert's chin. Shots are exchanged, and then the little girl wakes up. Cam takes her out to the car. Uh, shows her, hey, here's $10 million. And then uh, they turn on the car and instantly Mamba, which is the type of music that was playing all throughout the film, except when it would occasionally go into kind of uh, Italian spaghetti western uh, guitar pieces whenever there were showdowns. Yeah, lots of homages to to, yeah, to Sergio Leone. Leone films. Yep. Well, there's an instant, like there's a, so Max, our silent partner, he pointed out that um, there's a scene where a character walks in an iced tea with a knife and Ice T's like, you should have thrown that knife by now. And he keeps talking, and the other character keeps talking. He's like, "No, I gotta ask you one question." And Ice T's like, "No, seriously, you should have thrown that knife." And as the guy starts to ask the question, Ice T throws the knife and hits him. And he's like, "When you th- gotta throw a knife, just throw a knife," which is uh, almost a direct homage to Tuco, played by Eli Wallach in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, when he's in the bathtub and a guy walks in on him and is about to shoot him, but at first wants to give him a whole diatribe, and then Tuco just shoots him from inside the tub out. And he's like, "If you're gonna shoot, shoot. Don't talk." So that was a nice little homage to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not sure it was... I have a feeling it was intentional, but it might have just been a happy coincidence. Um, Plus the other standoffs in the film. Yeah, really they're, very, they're very spaghetti yeah. western-y. Um, yeah, just a lot yeah. of classic western tropes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, so with all that being said, guys, we're going to go around the room and do our final thoughts. Uh, Phil, before you get Yeah, off. so uh, with Captain America, I, I liked how um, at least I, I didn't see the the final cut but the director's cut uh yeah like the first half of the movie like it's i guess it points to like that earlier the earlier the earlier days of comic book movies where the tone's far darker yeah. than what you get now i mean it gets progressively mm-hmm. it, it becomes gets into like kitschy camp territory but uh as the budget runs out yeah yes yeah but yeah like it's 
the it's thematically mm-hmm. like far darker and, than uh, we would have anticipated especially the stuff where they, like they capture the kid and kill the kid's family in front of him yep it's messed mm-hmm. the fact they even touched on vietnam and all the atrocities that have happened in captain america's accent or absence also shows it's a bit of a bit of a darker film which is not necessarily bad but it made because it makes the brighter stuff all that much brighter. Like I think it was a better contrast. Whereas in the for sure, yeah, the version that was commercially released initially, it's it comes across almost entirely as camp and kind of weakens it overall. And then with regards to Mean Guns, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, it's just sort of the observations. It's got to be like one of the most violent movies that have that has, has very almost no blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, just the uh, the blonde girl. I can't remember her character's name. D. She gets uh, shot in the shoulder, and we see blood mm-hmm. down her shoulder. That's it. That's, yeah, that's all. It for almost blood. looks like a tattoo. To some point, I think it was Lillian or Amy or Arena that said, "Hey, is that a tattoo?" And we're like, "No, that's the blood." That's the blood still streaming mm-hmm. down her shoulder. Um, yeah, enjoyed Mean Guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I compare it directly to like Battle Royale and uh, yeah. films like that. Pretty much um, Hunger Games. The lesser extent, I've never seen Hunger Games, but um, yeah, it's better than Hunger Games. And I'd say put it on par with Battle Royale, to be honest with you. I think it's the yeah. same kind of movie. I think so. Uh, I haven't seen Battle Royale in a while. I should revisit it. But uh, I remember it being, ah, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But anyway, thumbs up. Albert, you did a good job on those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lillian, what are your final thoughts on the two films we watched this evening? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed both of them. Um I guess we did we did talk about Captain America so um mean guns. yeah mean guns I I yeah I found myself uh wanting to hear what everybody was gonna say and I was kind of you know keen on the the lines they were gonna throw back at each other and it was a lot of fun and I liked the um the the Marcus character he was uh he wasn't like cocky and obnoxious like the Lambert character which you're kind of rooting for you're thinking this is the guy that's gonna be the last one because he's so good in it like he's so tough like he was the last he didn't he stayed in the corner the whole time he didn't he didn't run around grabbing weapons like everybody else he thought this is a badass motherfucker right but um but he turned out to be yeah mother funker Where's the fart machine? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he turned out to be, you know, like a, you know, a little too cocky and obnoxious in a way, right? His character, and it turns out the little girl didn't like him very much, and that kind of said a lot too. Um, and the Marcus guy, he just he was tight-lipped, kept, you know, kept his eyes on the prize, and he kind of took care of things at the end, didn't he? He did. Mm-hmm. I will, cool I will character. say this. Uh, I think Graham Very cool. um, aggressively shushed us more than I did, he does yeah. in most films. Well, because so you guys were talking something. about like well, yeah. the Raptors, and I was like, "Shut up!" It was it was we, it was important to hear the dialogue, right? And what, what what was being said, and the motives behind everything. So. We were also talking about the Mickey Rourke character in Iron Man Two. That's great, but you know, I wanted to hear the dialogue that was being spoken in this film. So with that, Mickey Rourke forever. So with that being said, Ermina, what are your final thoughts on the films we watched this evening? Slash this morning now. I thought it was a lovely party. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Second film, I really, I really cut your rug. Yeah. You danced up a a storm. (laughs) I know. Not in here. I've gone in my bedroom. I really enjoyed both films. And Mm -hmm. we love you, Albert. We do. Thank you so much. Yes. So we're drawing this to a close now. It was so good to revisit Captain America, especially in its director's cut form. 
Uh, it was good to see Mean Guns, which I hadn't seen before. I always enjoyed Christoph Lambert. I, he was in full platinum blonde Lambert yeah. mode. He almost looked like he was in um, uh, Subway, the Luc Besson film from the 1980s. Um, and uh, it was just an interesting mix of characters in, in Mean Guns. I'm always happy to see Tom Matthews. Uh, I'm learning. I'm starting to be happy to see uh, Jerry Rector when I when he shows up now more and more. And I see that um, uh, I forget her name, but she played Barbie. Shows up in quite a few other Albert Pune films, including a couple of Nemesis sequels. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Um, and just looking forward to watching more movies as always. And so with that being said, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I have been Kit. He's been Graham. And I've been Lil. Come on, it rhymes that way. And we have been joined by Ermina Perez. Guilty. And Max. <laughs> what up, yo? Hey, first hey, time on the podcast. He and I've been Graham. Uh, just wanted to give a shout out to the beautiful Cynthia. Yeah, Cynthia Curran, who, uh, who is Albert's producer and produced Mean Guns, and uh, she worked on pretty much every film he's done for almost two decades now so we love you Cynthia. yeah yeah thank you so much she helped uh Ermina a lot with uh with the whole process of getting down to the states to, to work on badass angels and demons so with that being said i have been graham this has been death by video please be sure to rewind and we will see you next time good night Bye. happy birthday Albert. happy birthday where's the fart machine it's in another episode <laughs> goodbye <laughs>